0: much unrest in the world today. Even though earthquakes and all kinds of disasters happen, the Bible tells us to trust in God. Psalm 46 tells us that our refuge is in the Lord. We hope that you are encouraged to trust God as you join us in the message entitled, Sheltered in the Arms of God. Psalms 46, verse 1. Well, first of all, let's let's read the caption under this. Is the chief musician for the sons of Korah a song upon Alamoth? Alamoth means or concerning the virgins. So this was a, let me just say, first of all, we don't know who wrote the book of Psalms chapter 46. Some theologians credit it to Isaiah. Possibly David. Nobody really knows. I mean, it doesn't have an author's signature. But we know that the psalm was given to the sons of Korah. They sang it as a song. And it was directed to the virgins. And uh, nobody really knew what virgins or group of virgins it was referring to. I believe that uh, we can probably identify them today. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do. Uh, Verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength. A very... Present help in trouble. How many of you have quoted that and heard it recited before? God is a present help in time of trouble. Let's read the rest of it in the context that it was written. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. The word selah means stop. Stop. And ponder and meditate on what you've just heard, what you just read. Verse 4 says, There is a river, the stream whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that, right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolation he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I believe today that you are going to take this word and give hope to your people. Lord, any time that we need comfort, all we need to do is turn to you, Lord, and turn to the precious book that you have given us, Lord, a love letter, from you to your people, to express your love and your concern for us, God, how you're going to uh, intervene in the affairs of man, and how you're going to intervene in our lives, God, in particular. So, Lord, I just ask that you just open your word to, to the body of Christ this morning. God, I pray for the anointing to come, that, God, we would have revelation and insight into what you're saying and why you're saying it and how it applies to us today. So, Lord, just let faith rise up in the body of Christ because they have been here today and because they've heard your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we sit here this morning, there are millions of people around the world that are gripped with fear in the wake of the events over the past several weeks. Uh, the fear-mongers are wasting no time to rush out and uh, march, beating their drums, saying down with nuclear power and uh, chanting all of their fear-mongering uh, <laughs> phobias. Um and it, it causes people to wonder what's going to happen to us. You know? And it's like that's not bad enough. We are on the brink of entering what it seems like is another war in Libya. Like we're, <laughs> we don't have enough fighting to do already. Um, the Allies are starting to bomb another country now. I'm not. I'm not an anti-war uh, activist. In fact, sometimes war is the only way to peace. And um i stand um not in support of war nobody wants war nobody wants to see our young boys go off and come back mangled and maybe in a box nobody wants that it's just, it's in their right mind and i don't want those things either but i understand that there are there are enemies out there that want to hurt you and uh they don't understand negotiation they live by the sword the only thing they understand is the sword, and sometimes we are forced and given no other choice than to execute judgment on those so that they will not harm innocent people. So war is necessary sometimes. And um, I'm not here to make a political statement, but I, we don't have any choice, you know, if we're going to be a free and a and a uh, nation of, of peace. And so we're in two wars, and... Right now, Libya is being uh, bombed, and and I haven't seen the news today. I don't know what happened, but just yesterday, the Allied forces went in and shot Tomahawk missiles at strategic sites in Libya because the uh, dictator there is uh, killing his own people. And um, if we were in that position, wouldn't it be good to know somebody would come to your rescue and help you if you had a uh, superior power just annihilating you because you oppose them? So we're on the brink of what looks like it might be another war. Uh, Now, I don't know which side of the argument you're on concerning war or nuclear power, and uh, the subject of my message today is not designed to shape your thinking on either one or the other. Uh, I'm going to share some thoughts with you, and you may agree or you may disagree, Uh, but one thing that we should all agree on is what God has to say about the subject. Amen? That was a weak amen. We should all agree on what God has to say about the subject. Amen? Amen. So the purpose of the message today is not meant to be political. I don't want to take a political position. Uh, I'm not a very good politic. Um, But I want to look at what's happening around the world in a realistic way. I want to look at it in a very practical way. But I also want to look to see what God has to say about the subject. Uh, When we look at war... uh, Nobody likes it. We 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 all hate it. We are right now in a war in Iraq. Um, should we have gone there or not is something that will be debated for, <laughs> for decades. Um, I personally think that based on the information that we had, we didn't really have another choice. Uh, they posed a threat, so we went in based on that information. We now know that some of that information may have been flawed. I don't know. But we're there. And I know that the Iraqi people are liberated and they're thankful that we came. So uh, standing here looking back on it, it came at a great cost. But I know there's a lot of people today that are pleased that we're there. Let me just say on a spiritual note, if I may. We have baptized people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the swimming pools of Saddam Hussein's palaces. Now, brother, I don't know about you, but that's a good thing to me. I say that's a good thing. That's a southern term, all right? Amen? And so, if nothing else, we've opened the door for the gospel to be presented to a people that may have otherwise never heard the gospel preached. Uh, I've actually preached in Iraq. Amen? Hallelujah. Via CD. <laughs> uh, I've had some of my CDs. Families were sending them to their sons over there, and they are, I understand that they were actually having services, and they would put the CD on and have church service. And Pastor B was preaching in Iraq. Hallelujah praise God I've been preaching in Afghanistan as well amen and so we're in a war there in Afghanistan again I don't think that we had a choice it was a a breeding ground for terrorists that wanted to do us harm and we really didn't have any choice but to go there Um, those things are still ongoing and it's sad I don't like to see our boys over there it troubles me to think of young men even today that may be leaving to go to those places and they it's a, it's a dangerous place. Um, at the same time, there are conflicts rising up all over the globe. Yemen is on the uprise now, and it's in, in, including Saudi Arabia. I don't know if they're interfering or intervening. I, I don't know the answer to those questions, but they're getting involved with it. They're rioting and marching in the streets of Egypt. Um, what we're seeing in in, uh, in Libya, and we have Iran. Threatening Israel and have been threatening to wipe Israel off the map um, and they just join forces with other people that hate Israel, the Palestinians continually continuously firing missiles on israel um, lebanon is is rat- rattling their sabers, wanting to make war against israel, so there's unrest in the country around the world amen uh we also like that's not bad enough, have just witnessed. An unprecedented earthquake, a 9.0, it's the largest earthquake in history, has just hit uh, Japan, and I mean it hit it with a one-two punch. Like the earthquake wasn't bad enough, 20 minutes after that a tsunami wipes out entire cities, and we sat watching our TV. How many has been keeping up with that on the news? Uh, a lot of people like to watch the news and stay abreast of what's going on. How many people are not really familiar too much with that? okay, everybody pretty much knows what's going on, so entire cities are wiped out, and we're we're sitting here watching this in just total unbelief and then on top of that, we have the uh Fukushima nuclear power plant that's right on the verge of a total meltdown, and this is this is the part that I guess that really surprises me, and really why I'm mentioning all this, and what I want to address this morning, is that here we are. I don't know the exact geographical distance, but I think they said that California is 9,000 miles from Japan. We're another, what, 3,000 miles from California? Is that about right? Amen? So that's what, nineteen, eleven, twelve. 11, 12? My math is right. We're 12,000 miles from this event, uh, but yet people are running in panic. They're going to the store and buying all kinds of iodine tablets, thinking, oh, we've got to protect ourselves. Oh, this big invisible monster's coming to get me. And people are living in fear. And so I just thought I would take a minute to show you what little bit I do know about the nuclear industry just to kind of calm your fears a little bit. All right, so let's look at this first of all from just a practical standpoint. People are scared to death. Of radiation. Because you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't hear it, you can't taste it. It's just there. But folks, radiation has been here and people have been exposed to radiation since the creation of this planet. If there were no nuclear plants, you would still be exposed to radiation every day. Radiation was even used in the creation of the planet. I've talked about how you can prove scientifically that the earth was not, did not evolve over billions and billions of years. It was created instantly. This is something that I've committed to memory. The, the granite stone can be dug from anywhere on the planet at any depth in the earth. You can dig up granite. And inside of every piece of granite you'll see little sparkly things we know as mica and on every flake of mica i don't care how small it is encased in that granite on every single flake of mica there are three nuclear isotopes recorded on that that's decayed radiation all right they're called pleocoid halos halos pleiocoid halos and they're on every flake of mica inside of every piece of granite at every depth in the earth anywhere on the planet What does that mean? It means radiation was here when God said, Let Earth, God created the heavens and the earth. It was here, recorded on that mica, inside that granite. It's polonium 210, polonium 214, and polonium 218. Polonium 210 has a half life of 22 days. What that means is if you take a half life of any nuclear material, times seven, means after that period of time, there are no recordable measures of radiation left there. There's only an imprint that it was there. It's like a snapshot. It's like a photograph that it was there. But there's no recordable measures of radiation on it anymore. It's gone. It's dead. It's dissipated. All right? Polonium-210 has got a 22-day half-life. So after several months, it's, it's gone. Colonium 214 has a half-life of 0. .000164. It means that it dies very quickly. What that tells us scientifically is the only way that could be recorded on that piece of mica, encasing that granite a mile deep in the earth, was it had to solidify instantly in a millisecond. Meaning that it didn't take billions of years for that granite to form Like evolutionists tell you it did. God created the heavens and the earth and it happened instantly. Are you getting this? Amen. All right, so that also tells me that radiation, it's been here since the creation. We're exposed to it every day. You're exposed to it sitting under these lights right now. When you walk outside in the sun, you're exposed to it. Some of the china that you drink out of, you're exposed to it. In your microwave, when you sit in front of your TV, it's all around you all the time every day. But the body, God created it so that it can deal with those things, and it don't kill you unless you get an acute dose. Now, there's, there's something bad that has happened in Fukushima. And if, even if they quelch it right now and they're able to cool the system down, they're going to have contamination around there for decades, just like in Chernobyl. There's land around there that they cannot ever crop again because it's it's contaminated now the, we can't downplay that it's a bad thing you know and and but that that's uh that's the chances that people have decided they want to take to enjoy the electricity that we have, and we're kind of in a position today around the world that again it's like the war. What are you going to do? Turn off all the power? Get out your coal lamps. I I, I kind of would like that idea, but let's face it. The world's not going to do that. Somebody told me this morning there's 55 nuclear plants on that one little island. 55. There's a whole lot of electricity being used in Japan so that you can drive your Toyota and your Honda around here in America. Amen? (laughs) We contribute to that. All right? So it's, it's it's a necessity because of our wants and the the world's desire, greed, lust, whatever it is. The fact is, folks, it's here. And it's not going anywhere. In America, they're wrestling. well, should we do it or should we? And let me tell you right now, they're going to build more nuclear plants in America. They're, they're, I'm convinced that they will. Because we want electricity. And we use more and more of it. We're going to use more and more of it. So just trust me, there's going to be more built. And I'm quite sure that they're going to implement more safety regulations now because of what happened in Fukushima. They did after Chernobyl. I would not be a bit surprised if they don't require them to build off-site nuclear or diesel generators to send power in from a remote area because that's what they tried to do there. Let me just back up a minute and tell you, a little bit of, and I know this doesn't sound spiritual, but I'm going to tie it into the scripture if you just hang with me, all right? Inside of a nuclear plant, there are four systems. You have one, which is the containment area where they put the nuclear rods. But basically, this stuff heats up without it. Once they start the fission process, it heats up. You, you, don't, you don't stop it. Once it starts, you don't stop it. You control it by keeping it submerged in water. When they want to heat up the reactor, which that's all they're trying to do is get heat. They raise the rods up out of the water, and the heat begins to heat up the contained area. It's like a car tire. It just builds pressure, all right? But it's heated pressure. Then they send that heat through a steam generator and back into the containment, and that's one system right there. All it does is heat water, send it through, brings it back, and it just continues to do that. When they shut it down, they just stick the rods under the water, and that cools it down. What happened in Fukushima is they lost the water. The rods are there, but they're not in the water. They're not controlled now. The only way you can control them is submerge them, and there's no water to submerse them in. We have the same system not 15, 20 miles from here. North Anna nuclear Power Station works the same way. Then you have the, the second system, which is the steam generator, which creates steam. It runs over and it turns the big turbine that generates the power that we get our electricity from. Once that steam turns the generator, it cools down. It goes through a condenser, which turns it back to hot water, sends it back to the steam generator, and makes it into steam again and sends it back to the generator again. And that's the second system that just keeps circulating like that. Then you have the condenser that cools that steam down, which sucks water out of the lake and provides cool water to cool that steam down. All right? And that's a third system. That circulates through the lake, and then it dumps out into the hot side. It cools it down. It goes around to the cool side, sucks it back in, and cools the steam again. And that system, so you got three systems that's doing this all the time when this plant is running. Everybody got that. Then if something goes wrong, they trip the unit. That means the rods just go down into the water. Steam valves open up to relieve the pressure. The generator shuts down. The condenser's no longer running. It's not needed. The steam's not going through it anymore. Then kicks in the cooling, the force system, the cooling system, or the emergency system that cools down everything. It cools all these rods and everything down. All right? That is run by steam generators. If the unit trips, you hear them, they'll start up and start running to provide power to the plant because the plant's not making power anymore so that they can control everything and keep everything cooled and shut it down safely. What happened in Fukushima was the earthquake tripped the unit, everything starts to cool, and the tsunami hits it and just kills everything. Now they've got no backup system, and the water that needs to be provided around the rods is not being provided anymore. And so the water finally dissipates, so they bring in fire trucks and anything they can to try to get water on these rods to keep them submerged. And they're still fighting that battle today. People are probably risking their lives to try to save other people. All right. Now, those things can be scary. All right. Nuclear power has been around a long time. You've had three different incidents that's been really on a catastrophical level. Three Mile Island, which was a, a near meltdown. They, and that's another story I'm not going to go into. But um, Chernobyl, they just they tried to... Overpower the unit and it got away from them. It melted it down. They they didn't have a containment building. (laughs) They just had the reactor just sitting there. (laughs) You know, at least we got a containment building. I mean, concrete that's massive. It's thick. It's got rebar this big around in it to contain the containment. And if I could just set your mind at ease I've worked at the nuclear plant i worked there for five years as a maintenance person we've got an operator that's here this morning he can tell you all these things I helped build the McGuire nuclear power station at Duke Power in Denver, North Carolina I'm not afraid of this thing they have backup systems for backup systems we've got steam generators out there we've got a steam generator to back up the steam generator I mean not steam generator a diesel generator to provide power and a diesel generator to back that up. And I won't be surprised if they don't make them put another one off-site to back up the one that backs up the other one. So they do all these things to keep us safe. Everybody's got that. Amen? All right. I hope that's helped you just a little bit to understand that radiation is not going to get you. All right? If I can just tell you something, radiation is not going to come and get you. And you say, well, what happened if North Anna had an event like Chernobyl or like Fukushima? What would we do? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm moving to Arizona. (laughs) I know that God is with me, but he gave me a brain too, amen? (laughs) And we got the prevailing wind coming out of the west, so everything from North Anna east is probably not going to be a good place to live. And I thank God that I'm to the south. I wouldn't want to live on the east side of the planet in case something well, it's not going to happen. But if it does, I invite you to come visit me in Arizona. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the thing that I want us to look at this morning is it's all right to see something that is a potential risk and prepare yourself for it. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, the Scripture says a prudent man sees evil coming and he prepares himself. So there's nothing wrong with being aware of these things and having uh, uh, plans and backup plans to respond to events like that. that. That's a good thing. But to live in fear of these things and to make something bigger than it is, is a lack of faith in God. It's just a lack of trust that God is He's in control of my life. Yeah. <clears throat> so we need to quit looking at well all the what ifs. Well what if this? And and that's what I'm hearing on the news. Well, what if this? And what if that? And I'm like, what if? What if the sky fell on your head? You know, what if the earth exploded? I mean, good Lord, I mean we could what if everything. I would rather focus on what is. Yeah. Amen? Because this is real. What is? So I want to ask you this morning, what is in control of your life? Is fear of what might be in control of your life? Because there's a lot of people in America today, that's the way they're living right now. They are in fear of what might be. And people that have knowledge about these things are trying to tell them, look, by the time this radiation plume, it's not even a cloud, it's just its the... I don't even know that it's material. It's just radiation released into the atmosphere. It has a half-life. Besides that, it's like dropping a, pouring out a 20-ounce soda pop in the James River. What is it going to be like by the time it reaches the ocean? You won't even be able to find a drop of it. The parts per million will be so small you won't even be able to detect it and that's what they're trying to tell people look it's but the time it travels 9000 miles in the atmosphere you won't even hardly be able to you you will be able to detect it and don't, don't let me mislead you there's going to be readings of it here in fact i heard one one physics uh uh physics expert say that we all have a piece of chernobyl in in us because some of that actually settled on uh, stuff in america and we ate it But folks, it probably pales in comparison to what you've already got inside of you from natural radiation. It's always been here. And so it's nothing to fear from what I understand about it. And if somebody knows more about it than I do, i please inform me. But you you say, well, Pastor, are you afraid? Absolutely not. I'm not afraid of this stuff. With all the changing events happening around the world, let me just tell you what is, all right? Look at verse 1 of chapter 46. God is. God is. Say that with me. God. God is. It's not what might be. It's what is. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. If North Adam melts down, God is my refuge. And if a big old plume of something I can't see, booger comes and gets me, God is going to be with me. He's my refuge and my strength. And he'll be there to help me in times of trouble. If the whole thing melts down, he's still going to be with me. So I want us to look at verse 40, chapter 46 real quick, and I'm just going to kind of tie all this in. I believe that chapter 46 in the book of Psalms is actually a prophecy of things that are happening, things that are going to happen in the future. Now when we look at the book of Psalms, we typically think of it as a book of songs and poems, praises and worship to God. But in the book, Evidence That Demand a Verdict by Josh McDowell, he cites 60 different prophecies of the coming of Christ. 30 of those prophecies are found in the book of Psalms. Psalms is a book that has prophecy in it. And I believe that Psalms 46 is one of those prophecies. Verse 1 through 3, I believe, is dealing with what is happening right now. He's telling the sons of Korah, sing these songs concerning the virgin. Everybody look this way. Who is the virgin? Folks, you are the bride of Christ. And let me tell you something. When he shows up for his bride, you better be a virgin. Are you hearing me? I wonder, In Matthew chapter 24 is actually a book concerning the end times. And in there, he says, "Woe unto them that give suck in those days." And I've wondered about that. Why would it be more? Is it because they have children and they're going to be sad because of what happens to the child? I think it's speaking spiritually and metaphorically. If a person, if a, if if the bridegroom shows up to get his bride and she's got a baby, guess what? He's not going to be happy with that. And I don't know if that's the meaning or not. But it, whether it is or not. We are still the bride of Christ, and I believe that this is a prophecy concerning the virgin or the bride of Christ, uh, as well as the nation of Israel, which was all going to be a part of the bride, the wedding feast, I believe. And I could be wrong. But let's look at verses 1 through 3, and you just kind of decide for yourself. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed? Does that sound familiar? Though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Now, church, I don't know about you, but that sounds like an earthquake and a tsunami to me. Because a mountain is nothing but a heap of b- land mass. And the land mass that is in the sea, the platelets move. They fall into the sea. And because of that, it causes the swelling of the sea. Which troubles the mountains that's sticking up out of the sea? That is exactly what has happened in the tsunamis that we have just had in the last decade, two big ones. A mountain in the sea or the, a landmass in the sea moved and shifted. It troubled the sea, caused it to swell and caused it to trouble the mountains or the landmass sticking out of the sea. But what does he say in that? Even though the mountains are going to swell the sea, they're going to wash out entire cities. They're going to shut down nuclear plants. God is my refuge and my strength. He is a present help in trouble. I believe David is prophesying something that's going to happen. He's like, look, God is still your refuge. He's your strength. He is a present help in times of trouble. Do not fear, he says. Do not fear. You say, but oh, what about the meltdown, the panic? <laughs> the fact is, church, look this way. We're worried about a meltdown in Fukushima. The Bible says the whole thing's going to melt down, the entire planet is going to melt down. It's all going to melt. Peter says that even the elements in the air will melt with fervent heat. There's going to be a meltdown, all right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, a big one. And it ain't going to just be in Japan. The whole thing is going to melt down, folks. So Somebody want to be afraid of something. That's something to be afraid of. I thank God I'm not going to be here to see it. Yeah. Amen. Because one day the trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. And those that are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air yeah. to meet him in the air. And they will ever be with Hallelujah. the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. Yeah. And I'm going to be in that crowd. And I believe that's what he's talking about in the next four verses. Look at verse 4. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Where's the city of God? The New Jerusalem or Jerusalem. We'll just say, I don't know if it's the new one or the one that's sitting there. It's the holy place. The tabernacle of the Most High. He's talking about the Holy Land. Or the New Jerusalem. I'm not sure which. But I do know this. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. He's not going to wait. He's going to help her from the very beginning. The heathens raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. What is that telling me? There's coming a time that God is going to judge this whole planet. The whole thing is going to melt. The heathens are going to rage. God is going to judge them because of it. He's going to melt the whole thing. But it doesn't matter to those that are in Christ Jesus. I believe it's talking about the tribulation saints. I may be wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe it's talking specifically about those who will be uh, in Christ Jesus in the tribulation. They're going to be safe with God in the city. Everything else will be moved. He says it will not be moved. Because God is going to be there in their midst. He's got to be in the midst of her. He shall help her. The Lord of hosts is with her. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Then the last thing I see in the end of that chapter is the the events that follow that. The millennial event. The millennial just means the 1,000 year reign of Christ when he will come and set up his kingdom here on the earth. And the saints of God, that's you, will rule and reign with him. I don't know what he's going to put me in charge of. It might be Louisa County. It might be the state of Virginia. I don't know what he's going to put me in charge of, but I know that I will rule and reign with him because his scripture tells me that I will. A lot of that, I believe, depends on how faithful you are serving him now. There will be different levels of reward, gifts given unto men. But he's speaking, I believe, of the millennial reign. Because he says in verse 8, Come. Behold the works of the Lord, what desolation he hath made in the earth. Folks, this has never happened in history. This has to be prophetic. Something in the future. He says, come and see. Proverbs, I mean, Psalms chapter 91, verse 8 through 10 tells me this. Only with thine eye shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high of thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. What is he telling me? What's getting ready to come on the earth? I want you to come up here with me and I'm going to show you this because only with your eyes shall you behold what happens to the wicked. And I want you to come and see the desolation that God has made in the earth. Verse 9 says, He maketh wars to cease. That's never happened. Unto the end of the earth, he breaks the bows; he cuts the spear in sunder, he burns the chariots in fire. And at that point, the whole earth, I believe, will be still and know that he is God. He will be exalted among the heathen. He will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Folks, when we read Psalms 46, it should give us a peace. To know that no matter what comes, God is a present help in times of trouble. So if there's a big old ugly booger coming across the Pacific Ocean to America to get me, I really don't care. I don't. More and more I realize, you know what? Well, what about people that were Christians there that died? (laughs) Did you do him a favor? Yeah. Why do Christians fear death? Paul said, brother, that's a reward for me. That's right. It's better on the other side of death for me, he says. Yeah. We shouldn't fear death. And I'm not too crazy about how it comes. <laughs> I'd like for it to be... And I'd like to go to sleep and then just wake up with Jesus, you know. That's what I'm praying for. God, just let me go to sleep and wake up and see your face. You know, I don't want to hurt and suffer. Nobody does. But come what may, we need to understand that God is with us. He said it yeah. over and over and over. And I believe in three different things. What's happening now, what's getting ready to happen, and what's going to happen in the end. All three places, He says, I'm with you, I'm your refuge, yeah. I'm your strength, don't be afraid. Yeah. Throughout the Scripture, He tells us, fear not, yeah. let not your heart be troubled. Amen? Yeah. So while the world trembles in fear, you don't have to be afraid. You're sheltered in the arms of God. That's what I titled the message today. You're sheltered in the arms of God. You're sheltered in his arms. You know, my dad wasn't a real big man. I don't know that he was really a strong man. But when I was a little boy and he was holding me in his arms, I didn't think there was anything on earth could touch me. Safest place I can remember as a child is when your dad's holding you. How many of you is like my dad can beat up your daddy? Man. Huh? And your daddy might have been a puny little nothing. Could have nobody. Could have, anybody could have whipped him, but not in your mind. Huh? My daddy beat your daddy up. All right, boys. How many of you said that? Girls, how many of you said that? My daddy beat your daddy up. And that may be true. It may not be true. But let me something tell you something. It is true. There's nobody stronger than my father. Right. And when I'm sheltered in his arms, there's nothing that can harm me. And he's telling us that over. And over and over again. Yeah. So wars, tsunamis, earthquakes, meltdowns, don't live in fear of what might be. Let's live in the hope of what is. Amen? Yeah. Finally, he says in Matthew 24, I'm going to read this and I'm going to close. Hunter, wants you guys to go ahead and make your way up here. Nathan, I'm going to borrow your guitar if you want to just hang up right there. When I get through, you can come up. <clears throat> Matthew 24, verse 3, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall, what shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Boy, that sounds familiar. More and more we're hearing that. But what does the next line say? So read it with me. See that ye be not troubled. He says it throughout all of his words. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Church, I came today hopefully to just to give you faith and hope. Because I, I I look at this, I'm like, man, people are just living in such terror and fear today, and we just need to put our trust in God. Amen.